0: Welcome to Stuck with Taryn Arnold. This is your host, you guessed it, Taryn Arnold. Uh, This episode is part two of the previous episode. So uh, we are in the middle of a conversation with Dr. Paige Mars as we talk about anxiety and fear and how those affect your brain and your body and how you can help them affect your brain and body less. Uh, It's a very important conversation. It's been very fun. Um, while you totally can just jump in halfway through, I do recommend going and listening to part one. Uh, feels like that might be a little better flow of conversation for you. So yeah, go on, listen to part one. If you're already here from part one, already been there, done that, welcome to part two. And I hope you enjoy. Um give us give us some hope about retraining your brain um how does like okay. neuroplasticity work and and what can people who are generally pretty fearless or fearful sorry not fearless if you're fearless, get out of here. we don't want you um just kidding uh <laughs> what can people do to to have a to have fear have less of a hold on their life?
1: Gotcha. So there were two things I think you just asked about. So about so neuroplasticity and then how do people what do we do to get a hold of like kind of how do you begin the journey so yes. that you turn you're on a different track, yes. right? You're on the track. Okay. Neuroplasticity first is that I can't tell you how neuroplasticity itself works because I'm not I'm a neuro nerd but I'm not a neuroscientist. Yeah, yeah. So, or a neuro geek, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a really and a and a modest one at that. But I know, I know enough about it to help people be
0: happier. Yes, better relationships That's kind of all that matters, yeah. really. Well,
1: that's how I feel.
0: But, uh, but thank God, other people learn more. But so the important. Also, that- thank God, no neuro whatevers are actually listening to this. So don't worry, we've got so. Some- <laughs> well, we never know. Yeah, that's I've true. Some, I've had some neurologists in workshops, and I go, "Oh, damn! I got
1: to tell my husband."
0: <laughs> I think your car needs is getting towed. Why don't you just head outside <laughs> forever? Yeah, well, I asked one time. They said, "If I," I said,
1: have, "I said, did I do anything really wrong?" And they said, "Nope, nope. You're uh, it's, everything you're saying is just fine. It's all it's kind of colloquial and storyish, but yep, didn't say anything wrong." Well, then we trust I, you. No, thank you. But neuro but but anyway, the point about neuroplasticity is that it exists and that we didn't used to think that we could change our brains. We thought once we were in our you know, late teens, early twenties that was it. But it's just not true. Right. And so you can change it well. I think the part that that relates to neuroplasticity and that links it to your question about what we do, you know, how do you begin it, is that the the our brains have to process a whole lot of information right you know you're dry just think of all the billions of bits of information that you have to process just to drive safely to work right so if your brain was conscient conscious about all of that you'd never get out the front door so there's there's a lot of consolidation of information and habits and like, you know, good old riding a bike, that metaphor. Yeah. It has to become automatic. So because when there are times when we have a fear reaction and it might be appropriate in that moment, the first time you ever had it, mm-hmm. but it becomes habitual because it happens a lot especially like if you're around really cranky people, you can become really adverse to you. Like you can't handle any negativity at all. And you start overreacting. It's because it becomes habitual. Right. So you're a lizard brain. So if we use this metaphor, I'm sure you and I have used this is if you think of yourself with your brain, you're standing at the top of a mountain and you're not a top of like a slope with skis. Got it. And, you i don't ski so forgive me all you skiers if this is wrong in some way but hopefully you'll get the point (laughs) because remember me not athletic (laughs) um i can do pilates that's about it Uh, pilates is hard hey credit to you pilates is that i can do because you have to think about it yeah but anyway the um so percent so you're going skiing and you're standing at the top of a slope and one way down the mountain is this beautiful Run, it's fresh, it's not overworn, but it's got a great path. And you know, you look at that and you go, Man, that's great. I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna fly down the mountain. It's gonna feel good. The breezes, da da da. You just go down that mountain. Well, mm-hmm. that's your brain's reaction to familiar things. Mm-hmm. So, your partner comes home, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever it is, and you're accustomed because of the way the household you were brought up that if somebody raises their voice, you immediately yell back. Yeah. Or you go hide. So the <clears> second <throat> your mate comes in and they had a bad day and they're kind of expressing themselves, you go into this weird mode. That is you going down the familiar ski slope. Right. So what you're what you want to do and what hopefully this your exploration in this conversation helps people is you take a moment kind of you have a little self moment of self-intervention self-awareness and self-intervention I call it you bust yourself
0: Mm -hmm. and you say
1: damn I want to yell at this person or I even already started yelling wait back up wait back up go back to the top of the mountain I think I'm going to try going down this other slope but Mm -hmm. the other slope is has trees and bushes because you're not used to going down that one
0: yeah and it's harder so, wow. That is a great analogy. Yeah. Hello? And yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. I oh, can. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, I, I, that's an amazing analogy because so much of like why people I feel like don't go down the other slope or take the alternative path is actually fear. But what they're not realizing is that that path is going to get them to master the bigger fear. It's like there's, you know, it's it's like choosing the easier path just to you know, be it's like instant gratification is like just going yeah. the way that you always go and doing the easier thing and getting mad and blowing up and crying and the whole bit. But yep. there's a scarier but better path to the left if you just move your skis over. Um, but you see the trees and you see the rocks and you see all the things you're like, oh, God, this is going to be rough. But it's better. Maybe yeah. the path is like a lot nicer once you get through the scariest. Out- well, it right. is. And if it's too scary, you go, wow, I want to go down there, but I'm going to get some help.
1: Right. You you find you do all of that stuff. And the and of course the kicker in all of that is that going down the familiar path, once it becomes a habit, like it is often with a recurring panic attack or something like that, or just that high level of anxiety, then it becomes it's you're you're down the slope in this sense the ski slope is it may not be quite the best metaphor because i imagine it's hard to stop skiing once you go down the slope
0: <laughs> <laughs> my my therapist talks about it as like craters like if you're on the moon and there are like yeah. craters you can get in and get out of so that's another way to look at it too but yeah yeah exactly but
1: but there is something also about the slope that is because it feels like it just takes you over right totally like you can't get there but the truth is is that a very short distance down that slope, there's a little place where you can pull off, you know, it's not a straight down slope that there's a way that you can, um, interrupt it and say, wait a minute, I don't have to do this. Yeah. I have a choice, which takes me to the second part of your question is what do you, how do you begin to do that? Yeah. And there's a, we won't have time for it today, but, um, there's a Uh, kind of a technique that we teach in workshops and also with clients that we've nicknamed it's uh, it's move yourself back to love
0: Mm.
1: and that with BAC with the all caps Mm -hmm. so as my mother will tell me I'm a bad speller so I left (laughs) off the K yes Um, but I, I do actually have somebody finally gave me a K but anyway the B let's just talk the B Stands for bust yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's hopefully a playful way of saying, wait a minute, I'm going down this slope. I'm starting into an argument. I'm going to notice what I'm doing. I'm going to go, wait, look what I'm doing. So the first part of busting yourself is just noticing that you're doing it. Right. And you're going, wow, I'm yelling. Look at me. My stomach is in a knot. Gosh, what the? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What am I? What am I doing? So, the and then the next part of busting yourself is to it's notice. It is the first part. Notice what's going on. Second part is naming it correctly, Mm -hmm. and this is really key. And a lot of people don't do this. This
0: feels like the one of the most important steps to me.
1: The one right here. Yes. Name it correctly. Yes. Did you want to say something about that before I say it?
0: No, no. I want you to say it. Okay. Okay. That was my little chime in to make people listen listen to their headphones.
1: I know we have a love fest, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) So the, but the naming it correctly is about being able to say, Oh, I get it. My lizard brain's awake or this is fear or my vigilant self-protective system came on board. It's, and when you do that, It actually, and there's research done, I believe it was at UCLA, but where people are in the fMRI machine and they could see that when you name it for what it really is, and we'll talk in a minute about what happens when you don't name it correctly, Mm -hmm. but when you name it for what it is, it starts a shift in the hormonal system and a different part of the brain that releases the we call it gabagoo, G A G-A-B-A, B A goo. Uh-huh. Now that's not a technical word. G A B A stands for some really long brain word. Yes, and but that I call it gabagoo. I heard that from somebody, but it's like a little blankie for the lizard brain. Oh, it helps calm. It says no, 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 we're okay, we're okay. I got this. You can go back to sleep. Aww. so it just begins that process and. The, and that's because you na- You say, wait, I'm angry, I'm frightened, I feel threatened, it's that. Now let's, the opposite of that, what most of us do, yeah. when we go, okay, so yeah, I'm angry, you know, I, if you go back to the notice it, I notice that I'm having, uh, that I'm upset and I'm yelling, mm-hmm. and then the next thing you go is, yeah, but I'm doing that because that guy's a jerk, and he's pissing me off, and he does need to be yelled at, and how the hell is he going to learn not to treat me like that? Right. So guess what? Now we have extra lizard brain material, right? Yep. So the the that's why I got so excited about the neurosciences and why that was at this this part of the neurosciences anyway, and why an educational program for people about this and how it affects relationships and communication is what my doctoral research was on because I got so excited about the potential for what that education gives us, right? so
0: that's that i love i love that i heard you just smack your knee like you're like so that's all i got it was like a mic drop happening from afar i don't know i just felt it i know the sounds of your knee i guess Awesome. Oh okay. <laughs> I think that what you just said is what people need to hear and that okay. you can pause fear. You can not pause it, but you can lessen it. Like I love yeah. the idea of the little blankie on the on the little lizard. Yeah. Like understanding yeah. what it actually is. I know it sounds like it won't do much because I remember I used mm-hmm. to think that, but in the moment your body responds so well to you naming and noticing and being clear about what the fear is and kind of busting yourself and having that moment. And it doesn't need to be like a mean busting, like knock down the door in a cop show. It's like, no, this is like a, Hey, I'm checking in with you. I'm realizing what this is. This is some fear. Here's a little blankie. I'm going to be right here while we all calm down. And then we're going to press on with our lives.
1: Perfect. And you know what? And you said the third part of Bust Yourself. So the first part was notice it, second part's name it,
0: third part is pause. Yeah. The pause is Mm. so useful. Like, think about how much in your life would be easier if you just held on for a second before you reacted or did did anything, like if you just kind of slowed things down.
1: Yep. That's your great grandma saying, count to 10.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's that was am- correct advice. Oh, that's amazing advice. Um, okay, so we're going to look at a few of our listener questions. Do you have time, Dr. Paige have- Mars? <laughs> I don't know if
1: I like Dr. Page Mars. I like the Dr. Aunt Page or the Aunt Dr. Page. <laughs>
0: Dr. Ant, pagey page. Paging yeah, Dr. Right. Ant Page.
1: Yes, I have all the time in the world for you and your gang.
0: Okay, great. Um, my gang, I love that. Y'all are my mm-hmm. gang. Um, so let's look at a few of these. Let me see which one feels like it wasn't answered. and Any ones that felt like they were answered, I'll call those out too. Um, so, oh, how to identify fear when it's hiding. Yes. Good question. Amazing cue from the from the gang. Love what you guys are up to. Good question.
1: Yes, I love that question. the the well, we've done some of the work of that, yeah, which is just knowing what kind of a body you're walking around in, right? You know, if i I tend to think of my my true self, my whole self as being in this body, but I'm not my body. Mm-hmm. So we learn to manage our we're basically learning to manage this thing we parachuted into when we were born, you know? So uh, part of it is what we've already talked about, but the other part, and this is, oh, I love this question, um, Taryn, because it's one of the most illuminating parts of workshops that we've done where we have a conversation that's called masks of fear. Hmm. And the, the, imagine that the lizard brain in order to do its job, has of self protection, even though it's very clueless about what you actually need protection from, but mm-hmm. still it doesn't know that. Um, imagine that it has an entire Hollywood wardrobe room at its disposal, Ooh. and your every time your lizard brain wants to. Uh, protect you from something, especially the uh, the things that aren't quite as urgent as cars that are about to hit you or rattlesnakes that are about to bite you. but yeah. they're more the the ones that you talked about, which really are the ones that we have to deal with. It's your boss, it's your coworker, right? It's your mate, it's your parents, it's all people, human, mm-hmm. the people we care about, right? So let so your lizard brain goes into this wardrobe this big Hollywood wardrobe and it comes back out wearing the, I'm better than you costume. Hmm. It it comes out haughty and full of oneself itself because, because what's really going on is you're scared. You're not enough in your new job. Got it. And it does, it wants to prove it. So the, there are a gazillion um, what we would call masks of fear and just kind of playing with and knowing as a matter of fact, you know, you do your posts on Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where people respond. Yes. You might, I, can I make a suggestion? Please. I would, what if, what if you post, we'll talk about masks of fear a little bit more. What if you post, tell us your lizard brain's favorite masks of fear mm. and it's things like I get jealous. Um, I get greedy. I pretend I know when I don't, Oh, um, I, I um I I put on a fake smile and I hide. Yeah. I agree when I disagree. I fight when I don't really need. To. You know, those are all little lizard brainy going into the wardrobe closet and coming back out wearing something that seems socially acceptable. Right.
0: But it's not the real you. Wow, that's an amazing. That that's a real. Yeah. I th- I mean for mine, do you still have masks of fear? Like, are you, do you still have things that you you know that you like, kind of gravitate towards? Or are you just so floating above this world that you don't even? That- oh, do,
1: do I still have a body? Yeah. What do you think the answer is? Yeah, that's going to be a yes. I, think- I still have them. But I'll tell you what, so there's a lot of hope for people. Yes. Is that um, they are few and far between. Uh, there are a couple of things that still get me and they're kind of, I, I have come to the conclusion, I don't know if this is really true or not, but my experience is that we all have a couple of core pockets of fear mm-hmm. that we're going to deal with like that proverbial peeling of the onion, right. maybe for your whole life. And there are other ones that when you learn to do this work, they really do go away. right? And um, another way to think about that is that You know how when, um, imagine that you're having a lot of pain in your body, Mm -hmm. you have have headaches and you're achy and you're just really off and and you go to the doctor and they start giving you drugs and you're taking all this stuff and you're trying to fix it and you're just pissed at your body and all of that. That's one approach. That's the lizard brainy approach. So I would say, but anyway, it's just one approach. But the other way is to go to the doctor and she says, you know what, let's talk about what you're eating and your sleep habits. Let's get you a little cleaned up first and then let's see what happens to your headaches and your pain. If you still have pain, Mm -hmm. if you still have problems, then we'll look deeper for causes. But let's go, uh, let's handle the superficial, you know, the, the stuff you're just doing on a regular basis that's easy to handle. So how that relates to the masks of fear Is that there's a certain amount of the releasing of the fear habits that get in the way of your relationships and your career and your sense of um, goodness in life Mm -hmm. that are like cleaning up your diet, right? Or doing that. And the work that what we're talking about here is the version of cleaning up your diet. It's your knowledge. It's basically learning some new muscles so that you can stop going down the ski slope that's maybe. Familiar, but keeps backfiring on you, right? And learn new habits, which is neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. And then, the and again, back to your question about the me, there is that there are lots of things that used to frighten me like crazy that really just don't anymore that I think are a result of the fear version of cleaning up my diet, yeah, of learning to do it. But there's certain things, like you know, and I. We, I think it's probably not appropriate to take the time for me to. I have one that I can certainly share with you, but it's because um, it's kind of one of my biggest things and it still happens share for me. It. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. So I guess you can always cut this into two episodes. Yes, if yeah. Okay. So one of the hardest, hardest things for me, and I don't know why, is when I have to deal with someone. Who I think has done something wrong to me or somebody I care about. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell them about it and they won't agree with me. They don't see it. Right. Oh, and they defend wow. their actions. Sounds and terrible. my body just fucking freaks out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and on a scale of one to ten, it used to freak out a twelve and now it freaks out maybe a two, you know, or a yeah. three. But it's still it's still there. And I remember one time kind of the epitome of it was and I was even aware of the pattern and I just couldn't get it. It just wasn't changing Mm -hmm. at the time. But I had to um, talk to a printer to whom we had submitted some artwork and they had Gotten a little mock-up kind of a screenshot kind of thing for positioning, and then we sent the final art. This is back in the days before we just did everything digitally. Yeah, you actually (laughs) send art.
0: When was that?
1: I know it's weird. (laughs) I was like, I don't remember. But and they had done the final work using the little mock-up that wasn't very good. It wasn't supposed to be used instead of the original art, Mm. and called them up to tell them about it they denied it and they said it didn't matter and all this stuff so and I kept having to talk to different people and one time I was so overwhelmed with fear I mean my heart was pounding mm-hmm. my muscles everything I literally you know the office where our home office you know Yeah there and you know that your uncle Don's desk and my are close fairly close to each other Right in there I literally crawled under my desk and held the phone up over my head and said, I cannot do this. Please take this call.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: I just couldn't do it. And that's how, I mean, I was so, I mean, I'm actually, my heart's getting a little poundy. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's for whatever reason, that kind of thing just is a trigger. I think I came in with it. I hope to God I don't. I have a some completely clear moments if that happens again. Mm. But so I, I think there we all have a few core things. I mean, some of the stuff that you've been struggling with since you were a kid, you know, that might be with you in less and less degrees for a long, long time. But most of the things. The stuff you don't have to be crazy about because the work you're doing, it's not gonna run your life at all. And a lot of it, ten years from now, you'll go, wait a minute, what was that I was afraid of? What was I doing?
0: Yeah, I I feel that about some of my anxieties already, and then I almost feel a really sweet level of compassion towards a lot of things I used to worry about as a kid and things that Mm -hmm. really, you know, have sent me to therapy and made me, you know, things that at the time I thought there's no way in all of hell and all the world and in, in everything around it that these will ever be softened. Mm-hmm. And I look at them and I'm like, oh, Aw, little, little guy, it's okay. Like we're okay now. Yeah. And you were, and you were okay then. Like that's the. Yeah. But you just didn't know. You just
1: didn't know it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what that brings up is the, when we do that masks of fear exercise in a workshop, yeah. like put either butcher paper, you know, or on whiteboards. We just fill the room with everybody calling out all those masks of fear that they see in themselves or in other people, like somebody being really critical and mean and all that stuff. But we also do walls of what we call expressions of love, Hmm and they're not masks cuz love doesn't require i mean love doesn't require a mask love just requires a smile right <laughs> and eyes and that what you just exemplified when you're talking about the oh that's one of the, the expressions of love it's tenderness it's warmth it's understanding it's it's being strong for somebody when they're weak you know mm-hmm. it's and and i really, really believe that that love side is fundamentally who we are, and that we just are get confused about what fear is. And so it just has two, more presence in our
0: lives than it needs to. Yep, I 100% agree. Um, so one of the other questions was, what does anxiety, fear, uh, why does it feel so paralyzing? I feel like mm. we 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 answered part of that. Like your body literally is taking over, and there is like yeah. a fight or flight situation, and so s- sometimes your body your body either runs or just decides mm. to shut down. Well, let's
1: go the the standard term. Yes, the standard terms of that is that the the fear system is often talked about as the first the the go to response to a threatening situation is to move into action, to mobilize Mm -hmm. by either fleeing or fighting. Mm -hmm. But when fleeing or fighting are either not available to you, sitting in a conference with your boss, can't fight or flee, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, or you're backed into a corner or whatever it is physically. So when you can't mobilize, when you can't protect yourself through movement, through mobilization, the next thing up is freezing yeah just freeze like a deer in headlights yep okay the the fourth thing up is what we call sometimes for short you'd say fainting but it's feigning death oh if you think of a so that's people pass out got it you know and um the and again i hope i never get that Well, I you probably won't where it where it it comes in for people who are under really extreme traumatic situations. Yeah, real extreme trauma. But the but if you think of it, it, where it comes from in the animal world, if a little um, uh, I don't know, a little gopher
0: Mm -hmm. is
1: coming along and you know it's just eating its little thing doing its stuff and and along comes a a herd of I don't know what go what eats gophers
0: but a huge gopher a
1: big well <laughs> maybe a a lion, or yeah, there you go, something. But at some point, if it's if it's um, if it can't run, it obviously can't fight. Fighting's not an option between a lion and a gopher. Yes, but running might have been. But what if it can't run anymore? And mm-hmm. it, it could feign death. It could literally go down to barely a heartbeat or anything, hoping that the predator will miss its presence. Aww. So when you say, when the questioner, when your friend on um, Instagram says, why is it paralyzing? It's because, well, that's your neurobiology in the protective system.
0: Mm, It's just another way to try to protect you. Exactly. Wow. Your body, bodies are smart cookies. Yeah. They are. It's kind of exciting.
1: Yeah. With this one little design, I can't even call it a design flaw, but with this, what do you call it when... It's not really a flaw because it needs to be that way, but it like happens. a like a kink or like a yeah. Well, it's the opposite know. of a silver lining.
0: Oh, it's, a, it's the downside. Oh yeah, what is that? Well, whatever. We'll spend the whole rest of the time talking about that if we try to run. <laughs> um, I'll ask one more question on behalf of Instagram. Someone said, "How do you stop thinking about irrational fears, even when you know they are irrational?" Mm. Girl, story of my life. <laughs> that. How did- how did you stop it? How did I stop it? Um, I think pausing is probably a very, very useful part of that for me um mm-hmm. i so my background on my phone right now let me see if i I don't know where I put it. I probably hid it from myself um is it says you have a choice. I wanted to remind myself mm-hmm. that I always have a choice to to choose I always have a choice to go down whatever path I want, very similar to the to the skiing analogy um. Mm-hmm and when i have an irrational fear say i'm on a plane and i think okay the plane is going to go down all of a sudden i think that mm-hmm. um i have a choice to ch- to believe that for the rest of the flight which will certainly give me the a horrible next few hours like if i'm on an international flight that's like an 8 hour ordeal where i'm oh. thinking of dying the entire time or mm-hmm. i have a choice of saying th- that's irrational uh, flights don't go down often enough to where that's even statistically probable at all, mm-hmm. um, and I can choose to believe the better thought. Um, I can I, I can choose to believe this for the rest of the flight, and yeah. I I don't think it ever makes those those fears go away completely. For me personally, mm-hmm. like I think about dying on a flight every time I get on a flight, but it doesn't run the it doesn't run me the whole rest of the time. I'm not sitting there like ab- absolutely like triggered and thinking that it's going to go down. I'm saying, well, just as easy as I've decided that I could die, I'm going to decide the other thing. Um, and if it goes down, it's going to go down, but I'd rather have a nice last few hours enjoying this glass of champagne and these pretzels, than sadly drinking the champagne and eating the pretzels. <laughs> you yeah.
1: Know? That's, that's- That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You did as part of, you did all the steps, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know know what it is. You recognize it. You're sitting with it. You're being compassionate with yourself about it. Yeah. Uh, In that image, which of course we have that drawing, you know, you talked about the lizard, you know, you get thrown in the backseat of your car and you can't control it.
0: Yeah. This
1: is an example of um, the, you did what the goal is, which is where you really want your lizard brain is strapped in to the passenger seat, right? You want it able to reach the wheel in case there's a true emergency. Yeah. But other than that, you just want it hanging its head out the window, enjoying the air or sleeping or whatever. And so what you did in your thing is like your lizard brain gets in the passenger seat for a moment. Oh my God, the plane's going to go down. We're terrible, terrible. Wait a minute irrational for, and you, what you did in your mental process then moves it back into the passenger seat where it's, pro, it's not sleeping. It's going to be, it's a little more alert than that, mm-hmm. but it's looking at you going, are you sure we're okay?
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, like
1: But, but it's not in control, which is the point. And part of what you did, part of the description, Taryn of the, you, your process there mm-hmm. something we hadn't talked about, but after you pause, you know, you note, you bust yourself, you notice what's going on. You name it. You say, okay, I get it. Lizard brainy thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to pause. The next thing that when you do that, what happens is the, the, your executive brain function comes back on more, right? It, so you can, which is also by the way, the value of talking about it because you have, in order to have the conversation we're having, your executive brain has to function. Right. You can't do it. So, but what you do is what we call a reality check. Mm. You're going, is it realist? Am I, is the threat real or imagined? Right. You know, if the threat's real, lizard brain, take it away. <laughs> but if the threat is not real or you can't do anything about it mm. on a plane. So, that kind of thinking is part of how, if you go back to your question there about how do you stop thinking about irrational fears,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that for that process you just described and the whole thing, there is an answer. There is though something sometimes I'm, I'm guessing there are people who have tried stuff like that and it's still not enough right. for them. And this would be a case, a situation where there isn't a jet where we go to the art of it mm-hmm. rather than the science of it. I think where, It's hard to generalize an answer. This is where you'd want to, or I would want to, you know, talk to somebody and find out exactly what's happening. I think you and I have probably done this where you sit with somebody or you talk to somebody over the phone who, first of all, knows that your fear is just your fear right? and who won't buy into it. That's really critical. Yeah. But you, whether that's a friend or a parent, you know, anybody who, who can do that with you. Part of it is to kind of put the, those uh, out of control thoughts into slow motion and talk not just about the thoughts, but about what's your body doing? What are the conditions? What are the circumstances? So you do all of that. And in the exploration of that, you can usually find some place where you could intervene with yourself mm-hmm. the next time. To mm-hmm. test it, but it, that's not generalizable for people. I'd say that takes more trying to figure out where it is, right,
0: yeah, yeah. and and the last note I would make on the irrational fear thing is that I know that what 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 the point I made is easier said than done. That's like mm-hmm. o- very obvious. but, The more you respond to some fear in your life or some something with emotion, your lizard brain will find will find it for you in the future. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, if I say every time I go flying, it freaks me out, then my brain knows that when I'm boarding the flight, it's time to turn up. Like it's like, hey, we're gonna pay attention now because this freaks tearing out. So we're gonna we are gonna look around this entire plane for everyone that could possibly be sketchy for any little window that looks like it might pop off like we're gonna do all the hard work for her um so it it, your irrational fears become exacerbated when you when you folk the more attention and energy and like Uh, fear that you give them so if you really want to work on an irrational fear I would suggest having the opposite response to it when I go on a plane talking to myself very compassionately like really being in a good mindset really like knowing that it's irrational and doing the like muscle flexing as much as possible Mm -hmm. because then your brain goes oh maybe she's not as scared of this as she was last time and then the next flight maybe she's significantly less scared like i'm not going to pay attention as much and then 30 flights later me and the lizard are flying and we're having a great time and we're both having champagne and pretzels and nobody's worried because we haven't worried about it in so long
1: yes yep exactly and what you've just described there is what it's like to um, back up to the top of that mountain, you start down this, the old familiar slope, you crawl. you go back to the top and you'd say, okay, through the way I talk to myself, the conversation within my head, I'm going to start going down the other side of the slope. Right. Right. And that's exactly what you did. And you got it. And it take you know, it's a little rocky and there's, it's unfamiliar, but you do it. That's another, another thing, a phrase we didn't use until just now is except maybe at the very beginning where I said, when I'm working with people, mm-hmm. like most the relationship, it's sometimes just their relationship with themselves. And you said, you know, that's like the big thing. It's your, our self-talk yeah. the way I talk to myself and the way you talk to yourself are so your lizard brain takes that as gospel as reality. Right. So, it doesn't know the difference between your self-talk about the plane might go down and the a, a real plane crash.
0: Right. And so if you're telling it, this plane is probably going to go down, then yep. your brain is like, we're fucking going down, everybody.
1: Yep. Protect, protect, protect. All the red sirens are going off. Yeah. Your heart pumps. All this. Yeah, exactly. Oh. That's exactly right. So self, the good news
0: is you've got your self-talk. Yeah and you have power over we that. We all do everybody you can change yourself talk and self in general. Yes. Yes. Oh, well okay. It, how do we how do we summarize what we learned today? What are like the biggest points of things that we that we learned about fear? Um we can we can I mean you already know these things, but if you were to summarize how how would you summarize? I'll start I'll say um one thing I learned today is that everybody's got fear. <laughs> fear is real. And, uh, it can be scary, but it can also not be scary. It can be mastered and worked with. Um, and you're not alone when you're feeling freaked out, know that other people in the world are working through this very thing at the very same time. Even if they look chill, uh, they might be going through some something. So that's, that's one thing that I learned is that fear is everywhere, but it's not something always to be scared of, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. the The short version of that is: got a body, got fear. Yeah. Thank
0: you for summarizing. That (laughs) is amazing. That is yeah. So let's. So so that's now that that's on the. Then it's
1: learning what to do with it. So, um, I have. I'd like to say one. Yeah. That that, um, that came occurred to me while you were talking is that the is to remember that the reason that we. Take the time and do the work, and sometimes the very hard work within ourselves to uh, become the the master of that lizard brain. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that dog whisperer guy makes you the pack leader. Yeah. You know, it's like you want to be your lizard brain's pack leader, not the other way around. It is that the the reward? Is love, happiness, well being, joy, fulfillment. <laughs> I was uh, every word you just said is what I want. Yeah. Well, you're you're, on the, right path, you're on the right path. I know you have a lot of that and you've done beautifully with it. Aww, so I think that part's good. I think another little thing I would hope people would remember, yeah. Is that, I guess this kind of picks up on the one you said is that you you have the muscles in yourself already. Yeah. And you just need a
0: little help working them out to get them going. It's like going to the gym for the first time in a long time. You're like, this is going to hurt a bit. Like, I don't, and I'm going to look like a doofus walking around, like holding (laughs) dumbbells all confused. And it, it, it looks weird, but you have to remember that your brain is a muscle and you can teach it things and you can rework it and you can build it and grow it and make it the brain that you want it to be. This is possible. And it's proven by science. (laughs)
1: It is. It is. And while it's not possible and not desirable to not have fear because it has an important job, it is completely achievable to have a relationship with your fear, your particular fears in a way that keeps your lizard brain from ever being behind the steering wheel of your life, from ever Mm -hmm. making choices except when you're actually in physical real danger. And
0: that's a, I think that's just such a great goal and to know how achievable that is. I love that. Yeah. You hit on the last note that I was going to make, which is that Mm -hmm. fear is not altogether bad. That's like the one thing that I remind myself often is that fear can be a friend. Fear is useful. Fear is like, you know, when, when it warns you that something is going on, like it, can save your life. And it does save people's lives every day, all day. And, um, it's not an enemy, but it needs to be controlled and it needs to have like the right seat in your life. And, um, it's only, I guess, an enemy when it's doing the driving and not doing the informing or the helping or the, the, you know, one, one little, analogy that has kind of changed my life is thinking of my fear as an intern. I named it Vern. Vern is like two feet tall. He's got red hair. He uh he is almost never right and you know he's like I have red hair. (laughs) No, I mean like bad red hair. Your red hair is awesome. Okay. Um but he like he is little and he runs around my life and my world and my brain, and he's like, "Hey Taryn, oh. look over here. Hey Taryn, uh, you told me to alert you about this back in 20, 2001, so I'm alerting you about this now. Oh, oh, this person is making you feel like this. Like, pay attention to this. Like, da-. he is he's rampant, and he is yeah. just trying with every little part of his body to be the best intern of all time, but he." Yeah. I'm letting him run my life. Like he's got, there's some usefulness to him and I enjoy him. And thank you, Vern, for existing in my life. However, I've got a life to be had and I'm not going to let a little intern buddy, you know, sit on my shoulders for the rest of it. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a seat and you can enjoy your seat and have it, but I've got a life to live and I'll let you know when I need you.
1: Perfect. I love it.
0: Okay. And Paige. Yes. Thank you very much for being my guest. This was amazing. Um, If people want to keep up with you and what you're doing and what you're teaching, I mean, I will have you on the podcast many a times. I'm sure I'll get amazing response from this, but where can people find you in the world? You know, how can people keep up with what you're doing?
1: Well, the, I have a, there's a website that I am embarrassed to say is not often changed, but then, I will claim been on that eye journey for a couple of years so certain things I've continued my work but I don't haven't been doing a lot of outreach. Yeah. However, there is a website there at pagemars.com. Perfect. Um and uh, and if somebody wants to contact me there's a contact form on there and I will also I don't know if I already told you this but your uh your uncle Don and I are gonna put together we have in works a an online version of the workshops that we do in person amazing that we're gonna launch sometime hopefully in the first quarter of next year it might not be that fast but i don't know i tend to respond to people pushing me
0: yeah these these are life-changing workshops so this is very exciting
1: yeah so if somebody wants to be informed about that, they probably, um, they can send me a note on the email there. There's a, a newsletter thingy to sign up for, but again, it, it says it's intermittent, but it's really intermittent, <laughs> but I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe Tara Bear, you can nudge me to
0: <laughs> I'll nudge you. Get at don't you again. worry. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you've been an I incredible, you've been an incredible first guest, the, the dreamiest that I could have <laughs> hoped for. Um thank you everyone. Uh send love. (laughs) Send love towards Dr. Aunt Page Marsh.
1: And I send love to everybody who's listening. I just again, Taryn, I gotta say I'm I mean the the aunt of you in me is just so proud of you. And um really I gonna get this is where your mom would ask me if my why my nose is red and my tears are happening. But, but you know, I I am in all of, I just because I know what you've been through and I know what it takes and I love that you're turning your own challenges into something that might help some. I I mean I don't think might but will is helping other people and I love the way you're doing it. So the the aunt in me is so proud. But also just as somebody as a professional who does the kind of work that I do. And who looks at how much pain and suffering there is in our world because people don't know what to do with fear because they're stuck, Mm -hmm. right? They're stuck in fear. Stuck is the problem with being stuck is that it's about fear. Yeah. So to get unstuck, you got to learn something about fear. Otherwise, you just get unstuck from this thing and get stuck in another. And so I really feel like your work is important and that you're going to make a beautiful contribution. And I know you said in your first podcast, something about you don't finish things. Yeah. Sometimes I have a sneaking suspicion that those were good trials for you, things you were doing before, but that you found your home or a home for the moment.
0: Well, I hope so. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. Um, I'll take that as an official endorsement, an official sponsorship from Dr. Paige Mars. Yes. I love it. I love it. Okay, awesome. Thank okay. you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, remember that I have a challenge for you going on for the next two episodes. If you leave a written iTunes review, which I I would really, really deeply appreciate, uh, I will donate $3 to Make-A-Wish or to Special Olympics. So please do that. You can find me anywhere online. Just look up the Taryn Arnold Um, including the TarynArnold.com where I have a newsletter where I send this stuff out and more. Um, Thanks again for joining. This was episode three of Stuck with Taryn Arnold. See ya.